You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined once again by Rathika Rao to speak about her travels in India, reconnecting with family, food and culture, still connecting with India, and then a big old deep dive into Buddhism, karma and happiness. Now, Rathika came on the show back in episode 169 of Genuine Chit Chat, so you can go back, check that out on this feed, or you can watch the full video version on YouTube, which link to that is in the description. Also in the description is Rathika's website, as well as a few other things of how you can connect with her, or things that she may have mentioned in this conversation. But this is just one of those conversations that I think is so important for everyone to hear, both because of Rathika's travels around India just being really interesting to hear, and some of the cultural differences between there and America, and to some degree the UK, but also Rathika's like opinion on karma and she gives a really good interpretation of her definition of karma and finding meaning in life and morality that sort of thing so it's just one of those conversations that it could have gone on for hours so in 2023 i'm definitely going to have her back on the show for a part three to do even more of a deep dive but if you haven't gone back and listened to episode 169 please do that because radhika gives a really really good breakdown of her own connection with buddhism so check that out, check out details in the description, and then everyone will be happy. So I'm not going to waffle on here anymore. Please make sure you stick around to the end, because after the conversation is finished, I'll tell all of you what's coming up in the future and some other bits and pieces. So without further ado, I present to you once again, Rathika Rao. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. So I am here once again with Radhika Rao. It is wonderful to speak with you again. We were just chatting for like 10 or so minutes before we press and record. And they were like, no, we're talking about all these fun things. And you've been up to loads of cool things. And there's some questions I want to ask about you. So how are you doing? And why don't you tell us what you've been up to recently? Yes. Thank you, Mike. It's so exciting to be back and just chat. Um, yeah, I am, I'm actually coming off of, uh, we were just talking about this doing, quote unquote, doing nothing. Mm. And I went back to see my family in India um, after three and a half years. The last time I saw them was February 2019. And I went back after three and a half years and I slept. I spent time with my family. I met friends. I ate good food. Um, you know, I spoke more Hindi than I've spoken, you know, in a while. And it was just really wonderful. And then I came back and um, I guess I must have had some divine knowledge because I people ask me why I came back for the Thanksgiving break. So I'm in the U.S. where, you know, the last week of November is usually off time. And, uh, you know, I say so I came back right before Thanksgiving and I, you know, I had basically jet lag, a cold, and um, I'm going to say like mild to moderate depression that I was oh, coming back wow. to. The, you know, the U.S., but also, you know, when I left, it was October and the days weren't that short and it wasn't that cold. And I come back and suddenly the day is remarkably shorter because the time changes, you know, the time had changed and it's so much colder. So for 10 days, I nursed this cold jet lag and depression. Um, but now I'm doing really good. <laughs> so I've, had, <laughs> I've literally had a month and a half of 
doing nothing and my brain is much happier now mm. you know so thank you for asking yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to have like a reset it's it's one of those things it's that like uh, we were chatting beforehand and like in the UK a lot of US listeners may not know this now the other listeners may not know but the US is one of the only countries in the sort of uh, the first world or the western world one or the other that doesn't have mandatory paid vacation um, whereas the UK has one of the highest mandatory we I think it's around 20 days on average off a year plus bank holidays if you work a standard 40-hour-a-week job generally. Um, and often people get more than that. So it's like the, the difference in UK is like at Christmas, it's like get, you know, Christmas and Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas, the 26th, which you get, we get both of those off. And if they're on a weekend, then you get the next two weekdays off. So sometimes on Christmas, like this year and last year, ends on a, is on a weekend, we actually get like four days off. It's brilliant. Um, okay. And it's really about, you know, just doing whatever you want at Christmas. That That's the kind of thing. And so... That's kind of what spiraled into uh, the, the conversation to a degree. And it's just taking that time is so important, especially when you're someone as busy as yourself or me, you know, not just yeah. either if you're self-employed or doing sort of a lot of other projects. It's so it's so good. And I think we're resetting from a whole year. But I also think for me, I was resetting for three and a half years. I was mm. resetting from three and a half years of just kind of being wired and not getting a break and not, you know, seeing family and i think that reset is so important and now mm -hmm. i can dream bigger dreams and do stuff um yeah i like christmas also because it's not like my family's holiday so i don't have to buy any presents <laughs> <laughs> i mean sometimes i will for a few people but it's it's a stress that people take on in um the us i don't know what it's like in you know in england but um, I don't have that stress, so I can just take the time off and I don't have to work hard for it. And there's no family drama on my end. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's good. That's brilliant. Well, over here, it's it's normally you do give gifts and things, but I don't right. think they're as extravagant usually as as the UK, the US is. Um, but right. it's, it's more so about the food. It's it's about we have basically the equivalent of fan, the equivalent of Thanksgiving. That kind of a turkey, um, and then maybe some other meat and roast potatoes, and we have uh, pigs and blankets, and kind of lots of sort of vegetables and things like that as well. That's a big part of it. And then the next day you have kind of the leftovers and stuff, and right. a lot of different families do it in different ways. Some of them put them in sandwiches. Some of them just eat them. The they are reheat them make all kinds of stuff with them um but i want to ask with uh, india before we delve into the more yeah. spiritual and philosophical side of um some of our conversations with india, what do you kind of get up to obviously you said you spent time with family and things but was it just like how long were you there for the kind of normal day was it just get up eat and let your family kind of take you where really yeah i mean it's because I, this time, it depends on the trip. Mm. And every time I like to go somewhere, so I'm from Delhi, um, you know, which is the capital and, you know, millions and millions of people. And it's also um, has the unique now um, dishonor of being the most polluted uh, city in the world. We overtook mm. Beijing, which is, you know, we're thrilled, you know, to usually beat China in something, but unfortunately <laughs> we're beating China on air pollution. And so it's just uh, a crazy city. And so I try to always get away. And so this time I did get away to Hyderabad, which is where a lot of my family is uh, extended. Some of my extended family is in. But, I went, but mainly I did want to stay in Delhi because I was seeing my parents after so long. And I, I usually want to go see every friend, acquaintance, you know, make new friends. But this time I just stayed home more because my my mother still works. You know, she's in her 70s, but she still works as a doctor. And so she her days are 
she's not at home during the day, but she'll come back in the afternoon. But my father's home, you know, all day. So I just wanted to just be at home and just hang out. But I ended up sleeping so much. And it's just jet lag. That trip is a lot, you know. Mm. And it's jet lag and it's culture lag. And you're suddenly like, oh, wow, I'm I'm here. And, you know, I know it, but I don't know it. And then it just, India just happens to you. Have you been there ever? No, no, I haven't actually. I've not been to Asia. I've been to quite a few places in Europe. I've been to Mexico and I've been to Iceland, which is kind of still oh. Europe. But I've not really been outside of Europe, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go to Iceland. So, it's incredible. My favorite place yeah. in the whole planet, on the whole world, it is my favorite. The air is so clean. And just in the pollution thing, Southampton, which is uh, where I live, is one of the most polluted cities in the UK because we have a very big dock uh, and lots of cars, incredibly densely populated. We're one of the only cities that's a city because of the population. In England, if it's a town and it has a cathedral, it becomes a city. But ours was so big and doesn't have a cathedral, it was like... You're just a city. It's massive. It's huge. And we've got one of the highest percentage of traffic lights as well per per square mile outside of London. So it's just like there's just stalling stopped cars everywhere and docks with loads of big like cruise ships and things like that and container ships. It's, It's very polluted. So when I went to Iceland, I was like, oh, my God, the air tastes different. It's like when you get really, yeah. really good water from somewhere that's got, like, a really nice spring, and you're like, but it's like that, but with breathing. <laughs> it's, you know, I am, I, I need, to, thank you for reminding me, I need to put Iceland on my goals, because one of the things that happened in the pandemic was I really said, I want to travel, you know? Mm. And so I definitely want to go there. But with India, usually I try to get away, but this time I was just, you know, there. And um, India, so, so, yes, what I was saying was India happens to you. You know, you just get... Um, and so, you know, people call, you just have to tell people you're in town. And then, you know, I grew up there. Um, so people just want to come and meet. And it was Diwali season. Mm. So it was, I went for Diwali. And Amazing. so a lot of their Diwali festival, it's kind of the, you know, the big Christmas. It's like the Christmas there. So there was a lot of just festival stuff. These Diwali melas, which are, you know, these little like markets that get set up just for that time. And um, so yeah, it was it was all of that, and um, and this time this is the first time I went as a you know U.S. citizen. So I switched my citizenship, and unfortunately, India doesn't allow dual citizenship. So I had to give up my Indian citizenship. Um, but I'm you know I'm going to apply for permanent residency in India. Um, but I was also able to meet with a lot of folks. Um, you know, and and talk about working there, you know, as, um, you know, a U.S. citizen and working in um, India in education and in the arts. And I, I I do have a lot of connections there. So it was a lot of some of some professional dialogue as well. So it was it was great. And I did grow up with asthma. And when the, you know, air quality index is like above 300, like, yes, I need to use my inhaler. So that was not the most joyful part um, mm. of it. But yes, I was like, Sometimes I was struggling to breathe in my country. It's it's actually horrific. So they they're they're trying to figure it out. It has to do with the uh, crop burning that happens in the winter, which has to do with capitalism. Like, why would you burn like wheat or crops? And uh, I don't quite understand it, but uh, it's easily solvable. And so I think <laughs> what you know when you go to another country, you get involved in this politics. So there was you know all of that like um, dealing with air pollution, violence that's happening there. And then in the midst of all of that, Rishi Sunak became the prime minister. So all of India is like, you know, that's big news. Uh, You know, even though he's like, you know, um, you know, those generations, you can trace it right back to, you know, many, many, many generations because he's through Africa. But 
Um, but everybody's so excited about that. And, you know, so there was, it was just fun. And and like you were saying about England, like, as opposed to America, like, people do just chill out more. <laughs> I don't know what, it, even if they're poor and their circumstances aren't great, there's something more relaxed about the energy. It isn't as, uh, what's the word? Like, really angsty. I'm going to say America is just, we're it's full like of tense. angst. There's a lot of tense, oh, like tense. tense, like you've got your shoulders up and you can't just it's, go, ah, oh, you know. It's yeah, it's just it's more tense. And I think we even take comedy more seriously, you know, and everything is I think it's built off like the DNA is that everybody left the country to make something of themselves, including myself, you know. And so I think we all have this in our DNA to just be that tense and wired um mm, like on everything 110 percent of the time or like 150 percent. it's always push further go more it's like yeah. we're land of the free if you've got an opinion go full hog yeah. with it whereas a lot of other countries they kind of for one reason or another over the history have learned to rein it in to a yeah. degree not all the time there are lots of loud mouth 150 people in the uk don't get me wrong it's not yeah. just a an america of thing course. but i think as you say the dna of how it's built and why people go over there and a combination of everything that makes america america one of the things that makes it amazing is also one of the follies of america it's meant yeah. to be anyone's welcome you can kind of be who you want to be in right. theory and then it, it skews as you go into the details really it's yeah i mean that's 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 about it it's a new country even though it's one of the in terms of democracies it's you know one of the older democracies but it's a new country it's a new country and i think everybody else is just older and more chilled out it's like i spent thanksgiving morning with my two friends one of whom is 80 and the other's 92 and wow and they're super chilled and they've had good lives and they're relaxed and i think that's what you know india feels like or you know europe feels like you know you've been there for several centuries and america's still that angsty teenager you know that's trying to prove themselves or you know and so it's real. that's why I just need to get away, you know, but it was, it was really great. So I don't even know what I did, but I just reconnected to my country, I think would be, and food is such a big part. I ate good food. I love Indian food. It's my favorite, that wow. along with Mexican food, because obviously English culture, because of, you know, colonization and us going over there and basically stealing so, yeah. so much of your culture and people. Um, but then eventually over time, uh, I, be, I don't know the specifics of it, but I know a lot of people who live in India can just apply and get a citizenship in the uk a lot easier oh, than if you have a family yeah some kind of history. Oh. yeah i can't remember if that was previously and there was a period of time that everyone was kind of uh, allowed in if they were from india or, or what the specifics were i just know that that was a thing and so indian culture like british the, the number one voted british dish is a chicken tikka masala which isn't an indian <laughs> dish it's a dish created for english people but because right. it's a curry and we have curry houses everywhere and so many people i talk to your favorite meal is curry and Indian individuals, I think, are more prevalent in certain places in the UK than other people of colour. And it's because yeah. of the uh, well, the, the British colonisation, as I said. It's, no, it's that, it but is, I, I mean, love the culture. When Diwali happened, there were fireworks and everything as people yeah. celebrating it, which is really incredible. It was, I mean, I think there's things that are um that are british that have indian names but they are not indian and it's just like no that's part of british culture and dishes that i mean i didn't know you know um that are available in england and now it's happening similar kinds of things are happening in you know in the united states but um yeah it's several 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 generations even pre-independence mm -hmm. um yeah you know it's it's really it's fascinating i've i've only spent 20 hours in england once we need to increase and, that 
need to turn that up. To. We've got a spare room. Tonya's going to be, we're planning oh on Tonya God. at some point over the next year or two, depending on when her life allows for it. I would love it. to come see We've got a spare room. Yes. We've, so it's anyone who we're friends with, sort of who's across the pond or even yeah. in the UK. We're like, come on, we'll organise something. Come down. Don't just show up randomly one night in the rain and like, hello, podcasting. Do you remember what? Like, <laughs> I spoke to you like six months. Obviously, uh, in jest and to any listeners, I'm not just saying it's an open door policy to anyone who's listening who finds my house. But we do have a guest room and we're always saying to our American friends, come to the UK, just hang yeah. with us for a bit, just pass by. Like, that's what we that's what we love. And the food, as you, you were saying with in, uh, India and stuff, it's just, I think the food is such a massive part of a lot of elements of British culture. And what me and Megan love doing is we want to have people around and feed them. And it's in oh. India, obviously, that's such a prevalent thing because uh, curries are just next level <laughs> that's another thing that you know it's funny because the word curry does not exist in india because mm-hmm. everything is curry so like we don't say like what do you like curry or like what kind of curry what does that mean and in india and in the u.s and maybe the western world i don't know like the, you know people say curry and i'm like what do you mean you know it's like <laughs> it's such it's just a blanket term it's a blanket term it's like saying food <laughs> um, but i love that you know it's yeah funny you go yeah, to good... thank you and i hope the same thing um you know for you as well and and megan and i'm actually trying to manifest living on my own um so that i can welcome people from everywhere you mm-hmm. know yeah it's a joy it's one of those it and when you go traveling and because megan's got friends across the world as well um which is just really fun them saying oh if you ever came here we'd be able to see you um but i just remembered um before we delve into the buddhism thing when you mentioned oh, yeah. about uh, us being a uh being quite a young country it's funny because when i hear in uh tv shows or like home makeover you know certain things are are non-fiction or whatever and you you hear people go oh yeah this house is really old yeah yes like 40 50 years old and i'm like my house it was bought (laughs) that that i bought the bought uh like within this year this house is built in the either 1920s or 1930s and that's just kind of like a mid-level old house you're like yeah this is a pretty old house we have pubs in southampton that are from the 1800s we have Amazing. pubs in the UK that are older than the whole nation of America <laughs> that are from like the 1600s. We have buildings that have oh. the date they were built. And you go to America and it's like, oh yeah, this is really old. Older, 80 years. And it's like, we have like an abbey down the road from us that's been there since like one, like 1,100 like AD. It's like, <laughs> it's just very no, funny. No, I know. What is old that. is just so funny. And even, I mean, the moment you're 10 years old here, like it's, that's an achievement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Because everything's so young. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like when you're a baby and like, you know, parents have babies and then they'll say, oh, they're 14 months, right? When you're counting in months. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, it was, it was lovely hearing about your trip to India. And I'm so glad it was great for you because I saw some of the pictures on Instagram as well uh, of like oh, yeah. um, some of the cool things. And I was like, oh, yeah, she went to India. I want to see uh, some of the photos from there. And I just think... I think if you're part of an older culture, Mm -hmm. even if you're younger, you know, which I'm not saying I'm young, young, but I think that I realize that I have that oldness inside me. You know, you reconnect with like this knowledge that's been there for hundreds and thousands of years, you know. And so that's very comforting. That's Mm -hmm. very, very comforting. And um, to know that, okay, you come from somewhere because the reality of American immigration is a lot of people don't know where they come from. You know, and because it was cut off, 
you know, and it's only recently that people are in touch with their cultures, but a lot of people to assimilate, they lost where they'd come from. And everybody, and a lot of people will just say, oh, I'm Scottish and Irish, but they won't know a single thing about being Scottish or Irish, or they'll say I'm German or Italian, but they're, and then they don't feel, they feel like being American isn't a thing because what is being American, which I argue it is a thing, you know, because I'm, but I, it's kind of a privilege to belong to an older culture um, and have the sense of identity because it's not an individual. It's also like, okay, my people come from a, it's a long thing. You know, it goes back. <laughs> Trace the roots. Yeah. It's, it's same with, the with the UK. I find one of the things that I <clears throat> enjoy the most, I'm not necessarily proud to be British. I'm thankful I am because the, the, the place I've come I, in the world and the yeah. where I am is one of the easier yeah. lives. You know, I, can, yeah. I have free time enough to spend time not having to make money, but just to talk to people online. That's whereas there's people across the world who are like, don't have that even close to that living uh, comfort. So I'm very thankful to that I'm British and in this sort of uh, place of privilege. But with being a British citizen, I'm like, I'm happy I'm here. We've got a lot of cool stuff. But like when I go to certain museums and things, I hear about all the wars and how many times it's been conquered and things like that. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. But my one of my favorite things is architecture. And mm. I love uh, castles. I love going to old churches yes. and cathedrals. You go to Europe, you go to like, obviously uh, Megan is um, Italian. So her yes. family are in Italy. So it's good excuses to go over there. And they've got some of the most beautiful uh, basilicas and churches and cathedrals and all kinds of stuff. And we went to Paris recently, went to Disneyland, but we went to Paris as well and went to st paul's basilica i think it is so yeah. whenever we go anywhere it's always we want to see the architecture of places and i know yeah. in a lot of asia as well there's a lot of like temples and other places there's like mosques and things and some of those are like i've said before i don't necessarily believe in a god uh, in that right. sense or a deity that controls everything i believe in energy of the universe but <clears throat> the the uh the buildings themselves convince me more of the possibility of there being a divine creator because when you see some of these places and you see how old they are and you're like how on earth would you build that now how do they build it before electricity and all these sort of safety things they're like yeah we just got a rope and a plank of wood and we're going to pull you up and you're going to build a, a giant castle thing and you're like how that kind of idea is m more convincing to me there's a divine being than the doctrine itself because I just I'm so wowed by it all and obviously India as well has got so many beautiful buildings. I mean it goes buildings. back into like you know BC and like before yeah. and like you know it's it's stuff that they don't know how it, it it came about like like you said they just don't know and some of it is technology that then got wiped out right mm. like the ancient civilizations that you know, like in Egypt and China and you know the even, you know, Native American, like, we don't know, it was ancient, but then they got wiped out, and they're just remnants, and you're like, how did they do that? And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope we don't wipe ourselves out as a planet, we're, like, on track to do that, but if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about that, I've been thinking about, like, all my stuff digitally, and I'm like, I've got, you know, I've got my OneDrive account, and I've got things saved on archive.org, and I've got things saved everywhere else online, and it's like, but what if the internet goes down completely? Yeah. It's like, where's all your podcasting gone? It's like, I have a business card that says I have a podcast and I got a microphone and I, that's about it. I've got like almost here's all the contacts that I have via podcasting. It's all digital. It's all so it's like if that went, it'd be like, I, I, I've got my notebooks. I yeah. write my notes in my notebook. So this conversation, I'll have the bullet points of vaguely what we may have spoken about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what the dinosaurs said, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One more meteor, that's yeah. it. I'm the same way. I like, I don't like shopping and just, it's, it's either it's the architecture and cities, which is something that I think America is just not remarkable. Like it's not in terms of architecture, but either that or 
what America is remarkable for is natural beauty and mm. you know, what you were saying about Iceland and just going out there and mountains and rivers. And I think there's so much to see that's just so beautiful. And I, I won't get to see it in my lifetime, but I'd like to see as much as I can. Um, and I like meeting the locals. Like, I think that's a big, that's really wonderful. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to do the, I can't afford it, the resort kind of <laughs> situation where you just go to a resort in Jamaica Um <laughs> But hey, can you meet the people? Because the people are, you know, incredible, and the foods are incredible. That's what I found about Iceland is the people specifically. I've I've never been anywhere everyone is so friendly. Because in Iceland, you get people from across the world, and obviously, up people in Iceland speak Icelandic, which is a Scandinavian yes. language, which is very difficult to learn. So they all just speak English as their second language. And then yeah. you get the other people from across the world. You get obviously Americans who speak English as well yeah. as English people and Australians. But then you get other people from Europe and their first language is you know, French or anything like that. I, I saw yeah. some Asian individuals. I think they were speaking Japanese. They were over there, but they were speaking English. So you had yeah. all these people in this multicultural place. And I'm there like, everyone's talking my language. But it's so nice to have it. And everyone's just so friendly because Iceland is so expensive to get to and to it's an expensive place to buy anything you don't get just lots of people going on um we call them stag dudes i think they're bachelor parties where it's like yeah. let's go to a cheap spanish country and get wasted for seven days it's like if you want to do that in iceland you are going to cost yourself a fortune so you generally get there's almost like this this hurdle for places like iceland where it's like because of the price i think switzerland a little bit like it as well where oh, it's, it's so expensive yeah. it's like you don't get as many they still happen but you don't get as many people like taking advantage or not respecting the culture and things mm -hmm. and that's one of the things i love about iceland it's like it's hard to get to so let's go over there and hide from the other people I know. <laughs> there was a time when a lot of people are going because the economy had crashed and the mm -hmm. whole like bankruptcy and so a lot of people are going and then i think it's back to being expensive yeah. <laughs> before i forget there's this incredible comedian i also binge watch stuff in india because i had nothing else to do um there's this incredible uh, stand-up comedian called ari eljern i'm gonna put it mm. in the chat oh he is so funny but if like if you want to know about anything about iceland and how it stands separate from even scandinavia and their country oh gosh he is hilarious he's just a hilarious comedian so netflix is a netflix special uh which is just fantastic so <laughs> now i really want to go to iceland <laughs> and then you know compared to india where there are just so many people i i like i want to go to places where there aren't any people and then people are forced to speak to each other you know mm -hmm. because there isn't thousands of people are you know so yeah i definitely Okay, now that's my next plan. Thanks, Mike Burton. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I, I recommend it. And also, here's a fun fact, in Iceland, there's lots of cool museums. I love museums. And oh, uh, yeah. there's a really cool tour. You can do the Golden Circle tour. You get to go see geysers, the tectonic yeah. plates that make up the island, and the, these giant waterfalls, Goldfrost, there's beautiful ones. But also, they have a really cheap, it's one of the cheapest museums there, and I've been there. It's called the Museum of Phallology it's the penis museum it's amazing they have and you go in there and there's lots of uh men and women in there and uh when you've got the men in there they're looking around quietly and looking at everything and every person who i could see was a woman who was in there giggling all of them laughing and pointing at stuff because you've got all different animal stuff there you've got like walrus ones in jars there's horse wow. ones uh yeah there's penis even a hamster one that you have to get like a magnifying glass and go see it's it's in Reykjavik so it's not off the beaten path or anything yeah. it's really easy to find but i say to anyone at megan's um 
Mum went yeah. to Iceland uh, recently because uh, I think part in in part because of my recommendation, and uh, I told her to go there. So she went there as well and thought it was hilarious. It's just it's not very big. You'll be there for maybe maybe even an hour at a push, but it's just it's quite cheap and it's just I've never been to a museum like it. It's just so funny. <laughs> oh my! Okay, wow, you have given me so many dreams. <laughs> That's it. Do a Europe world tour. Go to Iceland, then come to the UK, and the UK will be a cheap trip because we'll give you boarding, uh, and then everything in the UK is within a few hours drive my, of itself my so. first cousin lives in oxford so oh, you know, no, i love it's, oxford it's one of my favorite yeah, cities in the uk it's the lovely. museums there I mean, are oh my favorite it's so beautiful and i my cousin's husband works there and the only thing is i don't want to get and i have friends in london as well so it's not you know um but yeah i just don't like to get stuck in oxford because if you get stuck there then you'll never get to see london and especially being a theater artist like I want to be able to do West End. I want to be able to do. I just wanted the tourist stuff too. The the the, the, the eye, the big eye. What's it called? The big the, um, yeah, the London Eye. Yeah, the London and Eye. Got the Big Ben, Houses of Parliament, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so all of that, all of that stuff. I, I you know, love to do. It's yeah. amazing. It's it's a lot of fun. I like. I love. I love living in the UK. You know, it's got lots of great things. And I love Southampton because it's about two hours from London. So it's really easy to get there and go to like, if there's big gigs. But we've got one of the biggest theatres as well. Um, so we get l- almost all the tours that play from the West End when they start touring. Pretty Wait, much always come to Southampton. Southampton. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Great. I don't know why I missed that. <laughs> we were yeah, talking so- about Southampton, but I was like, oh, well it's one of those places i don't expect many american individuals well uh, people outside of the uk to know because it's kind of it's kind of known in the uk but not outside as much we get the titanic came by here and that worked out great uh went from plymouth to here i think or yeah um and then we've got a lot of cool things it's quite busy and a lot of shopping and stuff but it's right near the new forest indians there yes yeah a lot of polish individuals and indians um yeah there's also there's lots of uh it's a multicultural place especially because where it's on the docks as well there's it's a lot of it's easy because we're an island you can just go from anywhere in europe really to southampton for for the most part so yeah it's very multicultural i've never i've never been anywhere and not seen various people of color yeah that's so i mean that's cool i feel like the whole london england area is a different kind of multiculturalism than in in the united states because the united states is so far to the West mm-hmm. that it's still multicultural. But, you, you know, when I went to Dubai and England, it's a different multiculturalism. Like you get people from, you know, Africa that we, I don't see a lot of pe- people from Africa, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the United States or like people from Australia, New Zealand, like, you know, that, like the Commonwealth, that part, you'll see more in Dubai and you'll see more in 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 England and the UK than, um, so it's a different kind of multiculturalism. In fact, probably more multicultural in terms of international <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's interesting when you go to places in europe it's slightly different as well like right. certain places in europe have higher populations of certain demographics of people in this place or that place uh, for a variety of different reasons um but yeah it is interesting but that's one of the fun things about traveling is just seeing yeah. how different people are in different places and it's how that affects the culture and in, in mainly for me it's the food it's like Oh, there's gonna there's a lot higher a population of Indian individuals here. Then there's gonna be some amazing uh, like well curry houses. Indian uh, restaurants is the correct way, but everyone in the UK is like curry house. They have curries, curry house, yeah. so it's curry house. It's like, but the menu doesn't say curry pretty much anywhere. It's always you know chicken balti, chicken buna, or any of these sorts of things. And, and all of these names we don't even have in in India. So I'm dying to have British Indian or curry. I'm dying to have that because I I don't think I. 
have had that. <laughs> it's not the same. I know that Indian curry is like a lot spicier and I think the flavors are a lot more intense, but they've basically had to basically water everything down for the weak, the weak British taste buds. I can't handle too much heat. <laughs> Which is great because I don't like a lot of chili. So I might, maybe I'll vibe with that, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a lot of options. It's, I, yeah. I could just talk about curry all day. I, uh, I, or food. I, it's just, that's one of the things I love about traveling and, and going away and seeing family as well. Cause Megan's family are Italian. So you go there and oh. all they do is just feed you and you just get espressos yeah. before and after every meal if you want. They drink wine whenever. when like Not when they're working, but you know, when we go over there, generally people aren't working. Oh, and then you go there and Megan's uh, grandma, her nonna, uh, makes us like, okay, get ready for a six course meal. And it's like, wow, it's just food after food after food. It's like, oh, they, lo- they like me because I eat a lot. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> that's, that's a manja thing. It's the it's same thing with, you know, Indians. But I'd love to go to Italy. Yeah, my ex was from Barcelona. And so, again, it was always table wines always there. Mm-hmm. And it's like food. And then there's midday, you know, beers. And, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. It's good, good way to live. <laughs> it is. And so well, I yeah. want to talk about a few of the elements that we spoke about can we touched on in the last episode um in my intro i'll probably have mentioned i i should have done at the very start but in the intro i would have mentioned about just people checking out the previous episode because it gives a good overview of your journey with buddhism and the sort of uh, a lot of elements of who what makes you who you are you very kindly uh, openly spoke with us about so i want to ask about some of the elements of buddhism i did a bit of research myself and there's just some intriguing parts um of it that i found so one part that i found quite interesting um is Obviously, karma, everyone generally has an idea of the the broad ideas of karma. But I found it quite interesting that it's part of this cyclical rebirth. And you're basically just doing it almost eternally uh, until you then reach nirvana, essentially. And that's when you kind of transcend it. So with you and your kind of how you interact with Buddhism, how do you view view ideas such as karma and those sort of things and did you have them before buddhism or after or how has buddhism changed it like what was your relationship with the idea of things like karma yeah gosh that's such a big question because karma is it's such a common word in india Mm -hmm. um because majority of that population is uh, is hindu and karma is a big thing and you know cause and effect um, this idea that, yeah, you're karmic. And in Hinduism, it functions in a slightly different way because it's functions in, you know, acceptance slash fatalism. So, oh, I did something good in my previous lifetime. That's why I'm, you know, I'm here living in San Francisco in, you know, first world country or, you know, I, I never really grew up with in poverty, uh, but I've done something bad in my lifetime. So, oh, yeah, I that's why I have asthma, you know, or um, it's that kind of un- it functions like that. And mm-hmm. it and, and on a more darker note, it also functions um, to say, oh, that's why, you know, people who are lower castes, you know, or, you know, poor or um, are not fortunate is, you know, they didn't do the right thing. But but in this lifetime, if you create good causes, then in the next lifetime, you might be born an, a Brahmin or you might have better economic circumstances or, you know, and so it really it fun, it functions sometimes. And Hinduism is hard to say because there isn't one book or one thing. It's just many books, many stories. And there's so many <clears throat> different ways that you could be um, Hindu. But there's also like really disturbing aspects and caste system and patriarchy is tied into it. So. That was my, but there is always being Indian, this profound sense of like karma that, you know, cause and effect, cause and effect. Um, it 
it didn't seem to explain things for me when I was younger, you know, and um, and also people, it didn't seem like people are trying to be better human beings. What, in fact, people are trying to do is go to a temple and offer priests some money to do prayers for them. It just, I didn't see a lot of people that I thought were mindful people. And then I had this question of, and Nirvana didn't make sense to me, this idea of you keep being born. Um, and that's also in Hinduism and in some parts of Buddhism. But it's not certainly not in the Buddhism that I practice that because I think in all of these, um, they'll call the pre-Lotus Sutra teachings, the idea is that life is suffering mm -hmm. and life is and that Nirvana is like the, the absence of existence somehow is freedom or Nirvana. Um it did make sense to me somehow. And I, I'm still like, I'm like, I don't know. What is infinity? Like, what is infinity? Is there no boundary? I don't understand like the how the universe, how it, what is infinity? And I also don't understand what is non-existence. And I guess I'll find out when I die. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But I don't, there's some things that I can't wrap my head around. But I certainly had a lot of anxiety around that, you know. And I certainly didn't believe in an afterlife, which is, you know. Um, so I... Um, so when I encountered this particular Buddhism, which is um, Sokagakkai Buddhism, Nichiren Buddhism, and it's uh, it's based on the, you know, almost the last teachings of the Buddha, where what he was doing, essentially, if I understand correctly, again, I'm not an expert, I practice it, but I'm not a theoretician or a historian. This is your interpretation. He, That's fine. It's my, yeah, and it's what I understand is that he attained enlightenment in his 30s, like 32, and then he preached for about 40 years. And then when he was in his early 70s, he was like, okay, life is finite. I'm not going to last a long time. I want to cut the crap and tell you what it's like. He was, you know, he was just pussyfooting around, you know, this idea that, <laughs> Um, the the reality of life. And he was, because he had to, he was functioning in a Brahminical society where, you know, there was a class system and patriarchy. And so he said, you know, I don't know, an evil person may not, you know, be able to attain enlightenment or a woman may not be able to attain enlightenment. I think it's because of our menstrual cycles, because we go up and down. I don't know what it was that women can attain enlightenment. And he hadn't addressed that. But Finally, in his seventh decade, he said, you know, I don't have enough time. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the truth is. And that's considered the Lotus Sutra. And he said that, one, everybody's a Buddha and, you know, has that potential inside them. And guess what? You've had this potential um, in your whole life forever. Like, you don't have to get anywhere to become enlightened. You know, it's just in you. You just have to uncover it, you know. And, um, and so, and he said that, you know, karma that that life is not suffering suffering is suffering mm -hmm. you know and so earthly desires are suffering but they're also enlightenment you know and so um you know to give you an example like my my journey with with asthma for example is like oh my god i suffer so much and um and then when i start practicing buddhism and chanting i just realized wow it's my teacher asthma is my teacher and i you know i start to pay attention to you know, what could I notice about my life and learn so many things about myself and where that asthma came from, you know, what are ways, things that trigger my asthma? It has so much to do with my maybe early childhood experiences, you know, um, anxiety. And as I, you know, and then you, I had hope that it would change. I explored different things and started to use my voice for creative means and to bring joy to people. And, you know, even, for counseling. And I truly believe that because of the fact that I use my lungs for good, that my lungs healed. And I, you know, unless the AQI is above 300 in Delhi, like I don't use my inhaler. 
But it wasn't about me overcoming asthma. It was about I no longer let asthma control me. And a lot of people who say that, even who have terminal illness, will tell you that, you know, that it's it's not the thing that's happening to us that causes us to suffer. It's suffering that causes us to suffer. And so karma in Nichiren Buddhism or Sokagaka is Buddhism, you know, which you can find on, you know, sgi-usa.org or buddhability.org is this idea that, you know, there's so much joy to be found, you know, in, in life and that life is, and that actually nirvana is not the, is not non-existence. It's that when life um, ceases to be full of suffering. So you will continue to face obstacles because that's what it means to be human, you know, and birth, aging, sickness, and death. That's what the Buddha said. That happens to everybody. And there's suffering connected to that at any time. And we suffer individually and we suffer collectively, you know, um, like we do with war, violence, pandemic, you know, whatever it is, you know, sometimes globally, sometimes. So we have karma that's individual. Like, why do I, why did I grow up in a certain family and not somebody else? But there's karma that's collective, like, and, you know, and then there's Indian karma and British karma, immigrant karma, and then there's gender karma and, you know, LGBTQ karma, like there's collective. But no matter what Buddhism says, you can be happy in this moment when you realize that you are the Buddha and that you can actually change your life. So it's a very activist form of Buddhism. You know, and and the idea is that happiness lies in not just striving for your own happiness, but realizing that you are on this planet to bring other people joy, you know. And so your podcast, for example, I'm sure brings you a lot of joy, but there's also a sense of like you're bringing other people joy by this genuine chit chat, you know, and that through your own desire to speak, there's a there's a melding of your own desire and you're giving back. And because you're doing that, you know, there's joy, there's joy to be found, um, so I think that's the, we call it practice for self and others. So that's the Buddhist idea. And I don't know what happens after, I mean, after death, but I think, uh, Buddhism will aligns with science, like energy is neither created nor destroyed. So the idea is that, yeah, you are reborn in what form, what way you may be reborn in two bodies and one body. And I honestly, I don't know, but Buddhism, as opposed to Hinduism says, this life is important. This is the only one you will remember and karma does transfer. So do what you can to make this lifetime productive, you know, like that's the only, so it's not about living in the future of, you know, and this moment is important. So while I'm looking to have like a beautiful retirement in the future or to like have a beautiful, you know, I'm dreaming dreams for five, 10, 30 years. Am I happy today, you know, being myself, you know, in this, in you know, in my particular body and circumstances. And so Buddhism would say, are you happy today? You know, just as you are. And I think that's what made my trip in India also so beautiful. I felt like my family and I really struggled with my family a lot, like in terms of harmony. And uh, I went back and after three and a half of years of like chanting and growing, and I feel like I changed and I learned to embrace my family. And so you know, that we had the most beautiful time, but I don't think they changed. They're still the same, but I changed, you know, and so that was, it was really great. So Buddhism will say, yeah, like, who are you and how can you change? Um, I don't know. It's a big answer to. It's what I wanted. On. It's exactly yeah. when I was but doing. It's very practical. So yeah. my Buddhism is we chant and if I need to get a haircut and I'm worried about it, I chant. Um, when I read a disturbing report about what's happening in Iran, I chant. When the air pollution is high, members in India were chanting, you know, and then two days later, the chief minister said, we're going to do, you know, 
you know, he actually did something, you know. (laughs) So um, we chant for everything, but, you know, eventually the prayers become larger and larger. And the idea is that if everybody is happy, empowered, and looking out for other people, the world will become peaceful. And we as a world love to elect people that are insane. (laughs) Don't you think, like, who are the people that we've elected? Right. Like like Putin is insane. He's legitimately insane. Like Syrian authority, insane, Iranians, insane, Taliban, insane, Modi. You know, I'm probably going to get lynched. Insane. These guys are like Trump. Insane. They're megalomaniacs. But we love to we love to elect them to power, you know, and so the world will change when everybody grows you know like let's let's elect the right people let's value education health workers and not people who are just you know making money out of money i mean america is right now tech is devastated after they made so much money off of the pandemic and now suddenly they they appointed this you know elon musk is insane he has a <laughs> mental issue and now he's laying off people and destroying lives and then jeff bezos is destroying his lives and google is destroying lives saying that they're going to lay off people that are not functioning as well. So he's dest- they're destroying reputations. This is not okay. And, you know, if you just value life, you know, your own and other people's, like, it's not that hard, <laughs> you know? It is not that hard, um, you know? But yeah, we're just taught wrong. So all of that is Buddhism and it makes sense to me. And I've been able to flourish individually because of that. You know, I used to feel like I was the unluckiest person in the universe. And now I feel full of fortune, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. It's incredible. And it's, yeah. I find there's, there's so many things that you said there that we could jump off. But it was like, yeah. one of the things I found when I was looking up um, things about Buddhism was all the different interpretations. Well, not interpretations, but obviously, I mean, with religion, there are interpretations, there are different sects, there are different, you know, ways of grouping together certain ideas within uh, an organized religion and so i did find that when i was looking at um, karma there were certain elements that yeah were not quite contradictory but as you say like different ways of viewing it and different ways of kind of thinking what parts of the buddha's teaching are we going to uh put to the forefront in a sense right. and one of the things i've picked up was with uh, karma it said yeah um um, Samsura was like wandering world which I found was interesting but then one of the things that put me off a little bit as what uh, kind of one of the things you were alluding to was that the cyclical rebirth is I believe it's is Dukkha Um, I may be pronouncing it incorrectly Um, and it's it means unsatisfying Mm. and it's just that thing and I was like I was like I don't feel that Dukkha there you go which literally means D-U-K-K-A yeah Yeah. so it's like this thing where you're just like life is suffering and it was like when I read that I was like oh I didn't that was something that I do not agree with in myself. I'm like, it, it can be, but I think life is a lot of it is about perspective. And I think a lot of the things that you've been saying with yeah. um, Buddhism and your journey, especially with the chanting and things is like, you know, you look at it. If you look at it from a purely analytical perspective, there could be a very staunch atheist. And I used to be like this when I was a teenager who would be I like, prayers don't do anything or chanting doesn't do anything. But when you look really into it, it's like, okay, but meditation does. That's been scientifically proven that meditation mm-hmm. does help someone. So chanting or praying or however people drawing however people want to kind of interpret their feelings inside and how they want to kind of just communicate with the universe in their own way that in itself without any external factors to consider is beneficial to that person and that's one thing i think that is something that a lot of people who are atheists don't 
get to grips with in a lot of ways and where i've become more open-minded to a lot of things and what i now meditate and things like that I, I just use breathing exercises and things and it helps me sleep and it helps me calm down in certain scenarios my quality of life has just gone up slightly so if someone yeah. finds that praying to a god you have to vocalize what you're feeling that's what prayer is and it, that's a form of therapy that you know with chanting it's basically you're saying these words over and over again and they bring you this kind of comfort and your mind is free to think in a more free casual way it kind of i don't know specifically with chanting but for me i find with meditation and prayer it's it blocks out the noise of the rest of the world so then yeah. it makes your experience more beneficial and then that will radiate to every being you interact with will be in theory a slightly more beneficial a slightly more positive interaction and if that keeps happening as you say it spreads and spreads and spreads it's a ripple effect it is it, it really is and yeah, I mean, um, chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo in particular is all about like getting in touch with yourself and communing and dialoguing with oneself and the universe. And mm -hmm. you can concretely say, you know, this is what I, and you, we talk about having a, a vow or a determination, like this is what I determined to change, you know, you know, universe get in line with my wishes and, um, you know, and, and it, it comes about. And but for that, you have to change too. like if I chant for a happy, harmonious family and I'm angry myself, like we're not trying to change anybody outside because it's 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 in here. And so quiet. And so it can be a meditative, quiet space. If you need to calm yourself down, it can be a space that gets you revved up and energized. It can, you know, it can be anything. It can be I mean, I actively when I'm hopeless about the world, I chant and um, you know, I chant to, you know, for my prayers to reach people, you know, that are suffering and, I, you know, and yeah, it's just all kinds of things, but it's all good. I mean, you're sending good energy out and bringing good energy in and um, yeah, human beings are powerful, you know, that way. And, and there's, it's peaceful, but I, I didn't, I had a hard time with the concept of God and, um, and I still do because first of all, the one person, you know, mm -hmm. And then, of course, India has like a millions, but then so which one do you and then like, OK, was well, single gender or like what? And then it just it disempowers you and it doesn't answer a question like why do bad things happen? Yeah, it doesn't yep. answer that. Question. Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, it just doesn't answer any of those questions. So, yeah, I'm so glad that meditation is, you know, working for you, because if you're happy and chilled out, then you you spread joy in the world. And that's how it it works. And. And sometimes you need courage. The truth is that to do big things, we need courage and we need wisdom. And so, yeah, and, and there are millions of noises and sounds and people telling us what to do. And some people are naturally born with the ability to listen to their voices, but some we just need to calm down and just listen. What's my voice? Where do I want to go? Um, it's your instincts in a lot of ways, the gut feeling, intuition. There's lots of different yeah. words for it, but it's all that kind of, you just get a sense of where to go. And I've I've been trying to follow that a yeah. lot uh, over the last sort of five years especially i've made a specific yeah. effort to really go what is it that i actually want out of this scenario but even just this micro things just like what do i feel like is right at this moment what what is kind of something is nudging me it's my subconscious i don't know is it my soul if i believe in one is it yeah. god if i believe in one and where you say like all the different gods i'm just always like for me with nature and the way everything is everything is this cyclical you know death creates life and you yeah. scale up the human system is created by million uh, billions if not trillions of bacteria i think it's like billions so the way we function is by 
millions or billions of microorganisms within us. Well, you zoom out and then what is a forest? It's the same. Yeah. Well, you zoom out. Yes. What's, what's a continent? What's Love an earth? That. What's the galaxy? And you zoom out and out and out. And it just becomes this thing where I think everything is kind of, yeah. it's, 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 it's an even playing field. You know, there's not really, even humans who are destroying a lot of the natural world and things and that kind of imbalance without us doing all those things, all the predators and prey and everything kind of does even itself out. You can't make a mountain without digging a hole. You know, it's that sort of concept. And so I find when I zoom out, I'm just like, if there's a general energy controlling the universe, I don't think it's a physical singular being that's doing it. I think it's that the united consciousness of every living being comes together and makes this ebb and flow, makes this global, universal, galaxy-wide consciousness. And that's just the vague thing it's like what what's the purpose of life well it just kind of happened but we were in theory all this one point of energy and then it kind of zoomed out and then it kind of popped almost the big bang or whatever and however you want to think about it we all are made from the same matter we all come from the same thing so our connection to each other and our ability to create thought we all have that to some degree and we're all made of the same kind of this matter Matter. yeah so it's 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 so beautiful you know it's such a beautiful thing and you, I think that sometimes when you have a concept of God, that's, I mean, I think human beings need to externalize. You need to have something outside of yourself to focus on. And, you know, um, so that, you know, I understand how God came into being, but the over-focus on God as one thing external has made us, has distanced us from that the God-like thing, the consciousness, the power is everywhere, you know, and it's in everything. And we're all connected. We actually distance ourselves from nature, distance ourselves from our fellow human beings, you know, distance ourselves from, you know, just this universe by focusing on that God. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's disturbing. And in Buddhism, actually, we say that the gods will, if, if you're, if you wake up the universe in your own life, the gods will come in, they'll protect you because the gods are other people that are positive functions or the waterfall is a god, like the weather is a god. Like, so God is just like, when you're in rhythm with the universe, like, you know, as opposed to fighting with it, you know, and the universe is life, like life is rewarded, then every, all the gods will help you. So the gods are like right there to serve you and not to, not in an arrogant way. That sounds arrogant. I don't want to give disrespect to somebody who believes in God, but it's, you know, this idea that they're with you, you know, and that you have that same power and everybody else will become a positive function. Um, but that I always liked, I do like Hinduism and a Greek mythology for the reason I that love I love Greek that gods mythology. just have, right? Like, and even in Hinduism, it's the same thing. Gods are good or evil. You know, gods are they mess with you. They have human-like qualities. They mess up. And I like that concept. That's of of God, you know. Yeah. yeah. They're powerful, but they're also assholes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Definitely in Greek mythology. You look at Zeus and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Not Zeus from the Hercules <laughs> Disney movie, which is a cracking movie. Not yeah. a good representation of what yeah. Zeus is actually like. He likes He's to put asshole. his dick in everything and kills people for no reason. That's right. Zeus. <laughs> Makes for entertaining stories. <laughs> Not someone you, you want to follow necessarily, but his stories about them, mythology, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's like really fun, these stories. I think when you radicalize them, you know, and they become like you fundamentalize and that's when it becomes problematic. And yeah. 
Yeah, it's. It, I, I love the mythology side of like religion in itself. I think is very intriguing to me. Religion has always uh, been a, yeah. an, an intrigue to me. And I went yeah. to Catholic primary school. Neither of my parents mm-hmm. are spe- very religious. They're both kind of agnostic. Mm-hmm. Um, but mum would pray when things got bad. But I think that was more her kind of calling it to the universe, not a specific uh, God. But when it comes to how with my interpretations of a lot of religion and stuff i I can't if i said it when we last spoke but i just think that all religion has kind of got a piece of the puzzle science has got a lot of pieces of the puzzle as well but i think that they're just a lot of philosophies and religions and scientific ideas and things there's just this one big picture and the picture is like the size of like a, a block of apartments and we've each and each religion has got and each bit of science has got like a handful of pieces and it's like we've we've got the answers we're figuring out and then if you put all the pieces we have together right now you'll you'd be lucky if you got the corners done i just think there's so much beyond what we as humans are at the moment can i even comprehend as to what's happening and one thing when i speak to people i know you're you don't fall in this camp but when i speak to people who are less spiritual and i wouldn't class myself as a spiritual person i'm more of a scientific minded person I try and rationalize things through the eyes of science. And I go, okay, you don't believe there's anything outside of what we can see. Well, how come there's a dog whistle? How come bees seem to somewhat react to sounds and things and potentially uh, Wi-Fi signals and other stuff that we can't detect? Wi-Fi we know exists. We know when you have a Wi-Fi router in your house, something happens in the air and then you have the internet. There is a data transfer happening, but you can't see or detect it without certain things. And if you think about all the things that we know what to measure and how to convert it into a manner of us understanding it you think about how much is there that we have no idea how to see like if if you're born without sight you can't you can't invisualize vision so if we're not born with certain senses there's no way to us even to know what we're not getting if you know what i mean it's so true and and that's that's what's bothersome, right, about the state of the world and certainly the state of a lot of like the United States, but I would say India as well, like that this discomfort and fear of the fact that we don't know a lot and that everybody just doesn't, you know, this anti-science movement, um, you know, in America, for example, or that we don't know enough. And um, yeah, I think it's just it's so exciting to know that you, that we don't know and that, you know, like from my Buddhist perspective, a reborn in 200, 300 years, like, whoa, what? And not just technology, but what do we not know? Like, we we still don't know that where life exists in another planet. And it's just not possible that we're the only planet with life. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. So how, what is there? And is there another way of communicating, you know, other than, like you said, I'm now I'm going to be thinking about that all day, other than our, like, five senses right the sixth and seventh sense like what is it and how do we communicate and is there a way that you know of communicating that goes beyond um yeah these five senses or email or phone and what are we gonna not just what are we gonna discover about ourselves as human beings and i just heard this term psychonaut mm-hmm. with like astronaut but psychonaut which yeah. is like you know exploring the mind and i think that's so exciting and becoming a psychonaut and getting curious um they're doing i have a life coach and she keeps introducing me to these things i mean there's all these things where you know people are not doing something called holotropic breathing where through breathing you can you can see your previous life or wake up to certain things that um trauma had closed off to or remember memories from another time and i was like whoa you know (laughs) i like what 
like there's so many mysteries of the mind and besides the fact there's mysteries out in the universe and life that we don't know anything about so yeah i mean we're so small and our and our thoughts are small so small and i hope we can be curious and as a human being that is like as i get older i i do notice a tendency to you know um like for me to just be lazy you know and be metaphorically in my pajamas forever and not <laughs> and watch netflix and not read a book but i do want to keep being curious and learning and, and never shut that yeah just keep thinking oh, there's so many things to learn and new things to learn so i don't shut myself off to anything you know i'm like yeah bring it on it might be hokey but bring it on you know i just I'm curious and then i could say no it's you know um not for me but in terms of religion i would never have said that i'm religious you know um maybe even a decade ago i would say i'm spiritual but now i just embrace being like you know off you know practicing buddhist and mostly i'm a practitioner but yeah whatever i'm religious but religion just has that weird name and i'm like we need to religion exists to serve people you know it exists to serve people we don't exist to serve religion it's a way that we it's something we use to make our lives better you know but if it doesn't serve you there's no reason to pray or there's no if it doesn't serve you if it makes your life better do it you know and so yeah but i i don't get being religious because you are born into a religion like that sorry that's no everybody should choose what they choose to believe in and if you want to say there's no god it's your right or there's like i don't want to believe in anything that's your right if you want to say there's 10,000 gods then go go ahead but for heaven's sakes don't be a dick in the world and like don't be violent in the name of religion that's like not okay that religion that is not okay i'm reading this beautiful book by this um afghan she was the youngest mayor in afghanistan her name is zarifa garafi and she's kind of like malala yousafzai kind you know just incredible and um you know you really read that book and she talks about how afghanistan was has the most liberal form of like um islam but then it got co-opted you know by certain traditions and of course taliban you know what it did to islam and it's like wow islam is the religion of peace according to how she practices but then you look at the way the taliban practices it you know and I'm like what the fuck is that you know <laughs> like so you know we, we just, human beings speak let your action speak for your religious faith you know like that's what i say i don't trust you know yeah that's it you know i'll trust any religion and people of all faiths are good and bad mm-hmm. you know? yeah so, it it's it's yeah. i feel like religion is a way to try and translate what the world is giving you to yeah. how you can have some sort of impact in it because i feel like if people think that god specifically spent time creating them that they feel like they have a purpose they have some co- a being that created you to live gives you a reason to try and i think a lot of people have the struggle where if they don't have a, a religious system or a specific lifestyle or some sort of element of them and I, i'm not saying like for me is probably podcasting is mine because I'm like I need to talk to different people and I need to talk yeah. so much and I want to absorb all these other ideas but I want a bit of everything the way I get through this is by spending my free time talking to people the way that other people do it is they are very religious they study religious texts other people read loads of books some people paint I think it's just right. as you say like religion for me I don't think holds necessarily much more weight in someone's it shouldn't hold much more weight in someone's personality because at the end of the day it's just a way for you to 
perceive the world it's your way of understanding yeah. what anything is it's like a stepping stone it's just like okay i don't understand the universe i don't understand why people do all these things but i've got this vague foundation of understanding that comes from religion or spirituality or something else and from that basis i'm going to kind of find my own way and i think that all religions and all spirituality start off or at least in theory from a good place and it's meant to be mm. here's how people should live and then you get people who get either the translation because things like the Bible have been translated like so many times. It's like, what are other translations wrong? Are people interpreting it wrong? There's just things in the times which are when it was originally conceived like 2000 odd years ago. There's so many different parts of it which are imperfect because of humans of doctrine and things. But it's just like the core values of most religion is just try and be good to each other. And then yes. if you do that, generally speaking everyone then just kind of works it works out if you're not trying to fuck your neighbor over and yeah. he's not trying to do the same to you you'll probably be all right with each other if you can just talk stuff out and you scale that up and it gets more and more complicated obviously and this isn't just an easy solution but if every scale up that you do per percentile it just becomes more and more complicated and then you get a couple of bad apples for one reason or another and then it spirals a bit and it's just us trying to have that conscious good that all most if not all people have to a degree and trying to make that the the kind of driving force to your life without making your life just miserable because that's yeah. another thing i read online about buddhism to a degree which was one of the uh ideas there's think with certain uh parts of buddhism is that you shouldn't be too hedonistic but in the same token you also shouldn't um have too much uh, pronouncing this is wrong uh, asceticism which right, asceticism, right, right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that word was. And that means don't just not enjoy anything. Don't don't give yourself to Buddhism to such a degree yeah. that you don't eat any chocolate and you don't have any time to chill. Don't do it so you sleep on the bare minimum, eat barely anything because your entire rest of your existence is purely living Buddhism. It's like, no, no, don't do that. But also don't just be a glutton and, and eat food and do nothing. And that's also not even Buddhism to not enjoy no. life, like I would exactly. argue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I like the ideas of that where there's certain practices yeah. of Buddhism that specifically say, yeah, don't overindulge, but don't underindulge. You need to have a happy medium of moderation. Yeah. No, it's it's so it's so true. And oh, there's so many things that you said now I'm trying to remember. I should write notes. But yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, just be... Uh, yeah, I think it's a combination. And also when you're ascetic, you distance yourself and you escape the world and there is no happiness outside of this world and that you're actually being selfish. And um, and it's not about selfish. Like you, your happiness exists also in giving back. And so when you avoid and say, I'm just going to be in my little cocoon, um, I don't think it's a way to be truly enlightened because so much of joy and happens in giving back and you can't create value. Like one of the uh, central tenets of, of Buddhism is also creating value. Like, so Buddhism doesn't say, why did this happen? Or, you know, like, yeah, shit happens. But now what can I, what can I do with this, you know, and how can I create value and, um, and spread that light? So I think that's also really important. I do want to, of course, acknowledge, and I know that you meant this in this way that you and I, like, for example, are very privileged. And so mm -hmm. we can, you know, we can talk about being a good person, but some people are not able to be good people or they're because their circumstances are so challenging and I'm, I'm thinking specifically about america and how much gun violence there is of course guns in america is a big issue there are three guns to one person but there's so much also violence and you know and it comes from lack of mental health care lack of a health care system you know where people can get mental health care 
uh, drugs, the war on American youth and people with drugs. Um, um, there is a loneliness and isolation. Community isn't built up as much. So it builds, builds, builds like a pressure cooker. And then and then toxic masculinity, right? Where young men are the ones shooting people, mass shooting. And it's like, because men don't express their feelings. So it's, it's a whole system operates. And in order to be peaceful, I think Gandhi said this, like, you know, you can't be, be nonviolent if you're if you're embattled in your heart. So you have to it has to be a spiritual revolution to even heal yourself first before you can smile at your neighbor. You know, and so I think that these are bigger things. And so those of us who are in relatively uh, stable lives, you know, I think we have an extra responsibility and a, and it's it's a joyful responsibility to smile at our neighbors and not be, you know, selfish fuckers, you know, <laughs> so, because somebody in like, I'm just right, reading about Afghanistan so much and is not able to because their whole family's decimated. Maybe they do have extra anger, right? Like maybe they do have extra pain and grief and, you know, they just need to land a job and, and become safe. But you know, um, and maybe they don't like this woman, Zarifa Ghaffari is amazing. The most difficult life circumstances. And she turns out to be this incredible activist and peace activist, you know, and so some people are extraordinary. But, you know, I think it's uh, it's also like if you're able, like, you know, do something good and it'll make your life better. Like it's not a, you know, it's not something that, oh, like give back. Honestly, you become happier when you do something in community. Um, you know, with somebody else. So that's, I think, definitely something I wanted to say. And I wanted to, I know you have to go to dinner, but I wanted to ask you one question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, before you leave, because it's always intrigued me. And I went from being I, not agnostic. I didn't know the word agnostic when I was um, a teenager, but I would say I'm atheist because I didn't believe in God. So I, um, I went from being atheist to being Buddhist, where I, I got a very well-formed idea of the universe and how things work and karma. Um, and so I wanted to know, like, what does it mean like, to, like, I would think that one should believe in something, whatever that is, but it's an organizing principle, like like a life philosophy. So what is it, what are alternative ways to like not believe in God or not be an IST, like something ist, a Buddhist or, a, you know, like, mm. and because I feel like one should not believe in nothing. One should have some sort of belief, you know, like human beings have the ability to do good or I have the power. So what is it that, say, for example, you believe in or that you've seen different people believe in that's alternative? I think there's a variety of different things that other people believe in. I think myself generally i have a lot of aligning principles with buddhism uh, i just I, I don't necessarily align myself with any specific religion i just kind of pick right. and choose what i want from each um but it is the general idea of e trying to mix science with spiritualism so that if i so for my own self i'm just like i'm not i i'm not one for faith if i'm completely honest with you i've never connected yeah. with the idea of faith because it's kind of it's what the parents used to be like do this why because i told you so i just have to trust that you know what's best for me that's that's what i didn't jive with and when yeah. i've kind of developed things and grown up I, i've kind of got this more idea of i don't have faith in this thing but i have more hope and i want and the desire to do so and so i think that my own desire and drive mixed with the hope that things will work out in this way. I just try my best in relatively every situation. You know, there's, it's it's really, I try and stack up the, the positive and negative. And in, in my life, I've found that the more positive things, the more nice things I do for people, the better I am to others, 
that generally just makes my life better. So as a self, you, you can be selfless to be selfish. So I kind of view that if, if you're going to be someone who is uh, an atheist and you don't believe in a God or anything like that, or a strict morality system or anything along those lines, that's fine as long as you have the principle that you just generally, as you said right at the start of our conversation, you just want someone, you just want to make your life and everyone's lives around you slightly better. And right. just like have have the idea that when you die, there'll be nice things and people will be sad at your funeral. That's my. I think about my funeral quite a lot because obviously I. Me too. With, it's like with the, the death that I've seen in my uh, family life and stuff. It's something um, that I went to three funerals in two years for three close family members, and obviously more in the rest of my life as well. Passing early too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like with all that happening, I've thought about my funeral, and that kind of has drive me to be like, hey. I do want my friends to be like you could always count on Mike and he'd always be there if you need him and he would try his best to solve your problems when he could or do you want it to be like yeah he kind of bailed out of a lot of stuff and they wouldn't say this at a funeral obviously but have very horrible friends if they said this at a funeral but like yeah. thinking like oh he didn't really show up for this or he didn't really do that or he didn't help when he could I'm not saying you break your back to help people but yeah. it's just doing almost 10% more than you kind of want to for almost yeah. every task normally makes your life better if you want to do more chores, if you want to make more food for people coming, and you think maybe I should make a little bit more food. If you want to just like you, your friends moving, and it's like oh, it's such a boring crap job to help someone move. But if you just go look, I've got a car, I'll come over for an hour. You get an hour of my time. That small thing means a lot to that person, even though it's quite a big inconvenience to you. And I don't say I say yes to everything because that would be insane. And there's a film about it with Jim Carrey. Um, but it's one of those things where I just try to give enough good while also looking out for what's best for me what sometimes i just like i want to have ice cream and watch nothing and that's fine and i do that but other times i'm like i want to really put work into my podcast i really want to do that and i just think with my idea of scaling out and energy and every living being being to a degree important and balanced in this world it's just like moderation mixed with positivity like optimistic moderation i think that kind of describes my outs my look on life you can do a bit of everything for the most part, but don't do too much of one thing and try and be optimistic with things. When you're in a relationship, try your best when you when it's right. But also don't be unrealistic in stuff. I used to describe myself as an optimistic pessimist, which yeah. was, you know, I hope for the best, but I expect the worst. Because yeah. I'm that's, a bit like that too. Yeah, yeah, how one has to prepare. So there are lots of other things that I could delve down and we will in our next conversation um, of that. other ideas. But that's kind of my... I, I That's my morality that. philosophy, less so than my universal creation philosophy, which is much more linked with energy. It's such a, and it's something you can pass on, right, to your um, children or nieces or nephews or coworkers. It's a philosophy, and you know there isn't a point of of having a value system if you don't practice it. And it seems like you are, and and I love this idea from everything that you've said, like yes to everything. Um, that it's like a living document, that our value system is also a living document, that we can, you know, that it's not something that's etched in stone because somebody told me, or it is because, but, you know, um, and, you know, yeah, it's it's growing and changing and um, adapting. And that we live and learn. It's adapting. And, you know, faith certainly is like, you know, faith in what? And I think faith in ourselves or in the, you know, goodness of the, the somehow the things will turn out okay. But I love what you said about hope that, it's not just like empty hope, but hope is also a commitment that I'm going to work to make this world a better place. And that doesn't mean I have to start a nonprofit, but like in my daily actions, 
Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to try to be good and do good and, you know, and be authentic. Like I used to do a lot of favors for people and then mm-hmm. resent it because yeah. I didn't actually have the bandwidth, but I had felt the social pressure. And I'm like, no, what are ways in which I can also look out for myself and, you know, put the oxygen mask myself on before I do that for somebody else. So it's being authentic and having faith that my choice, like that is faith that my choice is the right choice. And mm-hmm. And if it's wrong, I'll find out. Like somebody will tell me, you know, but like, yeah, it's okay. And so, yeah, I thank you. That That is so enriching for me. I'm going to... Well, speaking with you has been incredibly yeah. enriching and that's a perfect <laughs> yeah. way to wrap things up. And yes. what's great, didn't even go through half my notes. So that means 2023, <laughs> you're coming on again. A few months time, have more conversations like this. Just go wherever we kind of fancy because the first half was about India and travel and culture yes. and the second half was about morality and philosophy, which is delightful. These are my, these are my favorite conversations and uh, it's it's you can just go off on one. And next time, I promise, we will do it and we'll have a block off a specific two hours and we'll be able to just go off the rails we keep teasing with people we keep dipping our toes into certain concepts right. but we we will get there we've just got plenty of time um but and before, i need to go to iceland so you do it's incredible maybe next it? time i'm gonna go to iceland do it it's incredible my favorite place on earth but yeah. we'll wrap up here i'll end the call yes. but before i do tell people where they can find you i've got i'll make notes of a buddhability and some of the yes. other things we spoke about in our prior mm-hmm. uh, conversation but where people yeah. can find you um you can find me on instagram which is, um, I, I believe it's at Radhika Rao 77. Um, I'm just putting that in the chat for you so you can put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a website that uh, I don't update that often, but it's certainly a way that you can get in touch with me, which is uh, radhikarao.org. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. You know, if you look for me, I I think there's, my, my name is pretty common. Um, so there might be several, um, you know, Radhika Rao's, but I think if you do Radhika Rao and, um, you know, do like actor or, you know, communications coach or, you know, I went to Harvard, if that's helpful, like you'll find me <laughs> somewhere. I'm, I live in San Francisco. So, you know, those kind of markers, you like, you'll find me. <laughs> and I'll put all the details in the show notes. But yeah. Radhika, we could talk all evening, all but alas... Evening. This last time it was uh, you had commitments and this time it's me yeah. so next time well, neither of us will but it's just thank you so much for coming on the show it's been delightful as always to speak with you about all these things uh, this will be coming out uh, about two weeks before Christmas I think or the holiday season um, so I wish you the best of that as well but just thank you it's always delightful speaking with you thank you I'm so happy Merry Christmas this is my Christmas <laughs> present to myself Is and I look forward to doing this in person sometimes in our bathrobes and you're drinking wine some you know <laughs> some, that would be that would be great like you know and and Megan and just like we, we should have like a little robe party like that would be great pontificating <laughs> the mysteries of the universe over alcohol do it that's <laughs> it we'll put that out into the universe and that's a tease thank for you. the listeners <laughs> fantastic right. take care And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my friends, as I said in the intro, make sure you go back and listen to episode 169 if you haven't already, and then check out the variety of links in the description to find more information about Radhika. Also, a shout out to Tonya Todd for connecting myself and Radhika for our prior conversation. And obviously, she is the reason that me and Radhika now know each other. So always thank you to Tonya. Her website is in the description as well. 
So what is going on as 2022 starts to come to a close? Well, next week is going to be the last episode of Genuine Chit Chat for the year, or at least the last full episode. Uh, so it's going to be Disney Discussions, the Christmas special. So myself, Megan, Rhea Carrigan and Spider Dan, as always, get together every couple of months to do Disney Discussions. And uh, we have recorded the Christmas one. So we're discussing the Muppets Christmas Carol, A Nightmare Before Christmas, Santa Claus 1 and 2, and Ernest Saves Christmas. Four quite different Christmas films, but uh, worth watching in their own rights but we will delve into all of that next week it's quite a nice long conversation to bring you into this holiday season and it'll be about a week before christmas so plenty of time to watch them if you haven't already but if you haven't seen a nightmare before christmas or especially a muppet's christmas carol i, I really don't know what you're doing with your life <laughs> to be honest with you two prime christmas movies but we delve into all of that in the conversation so what else is going on well i've got conversations ready to go in january i've got goff returning uh, i'm speaking to an author um tony farina of Indie Comic Spotlight. He's coming on the show and we're going to do a big old conversation on Weezer. Uh, so we're going to listen to the entire Weezer discography, give our thoughts on the various albums, some of our favourite songs, and just why Weezer is this such massive band that is also kind of a small band in a way. It's, it's really interesting. It's going to be a really, really great conversation to have. I'm very excited to talk to Tony about that. And then I've got some other stuff in the pipeline, as I always do. So that's what you can expect over the next sort of couple of months or so. Obviously in the start of the new year as well, I've got a new show that's going to be launching on Comics in Motion 2. It is Star Wars related and probably out every month or two as well. So that's a fun thing, which I'll delve more into next year. Obviously, as my show, Star Wars Comics and Canon. So if you like Star Wars in any capacity, make sure you check that out because you never have to have read a Star Wars comic or book or even watched any of the series in your life. If you've just seen basically the original trilogy and the prequels, you can probably get along with this. If you've seen all of the movies, it would really help. Uh, but aside from that, like you really don't need to consume any other Star Wars content to enjoy Star Wars comics and canon. So if you want to expand your horizons on your Star Wars knowledge, the canon itself, and some of the other content that's out there, please consider checking that podcast out. A link is in the description. But in addition to that, obviously I haven't done that many guest spots recently, but you can check out the last two that I did, which was a conversation about the High Republic in Star Wars on Ike's Flames podcast, and then also I went on Frank Burton's I Like the Sound podcast. I've been on there like three times, uh, but the most recent time was the first episode of Series 2, uh, so a link to that is in the description as well. Obviously, in addition to that, you can obviously share this show on social media and tell your friends all about it, which means the world to me. You can rate it and review it. So on Spotify, you can give it a five-star rating. On Apple Podcasts and Good Pods, you can give it a rating and also reviews all of these things really really help the show out so if you are listening right now and you've been a bit of a regular listener and you haven't yet given it a rating please please do that it would be a great christmas gift for me uh, just to get some of those reviews up and obviously you can tell all your friends about it as well that really really helps but if you already support the show on the various social media platforms and you also already listen to all the episodes of genuine chit chat and Star Wars comics and canon and things like that but you want even more you want to support the show more and you want to hear even more of me well go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat for as little as one pound a month you'll get access to well over a hundred episodes of afterthoughts so for the most part myself and megan review tv shows or movies or live performances like book of mormon uh, we talk about road trips we've been on on or holidays i went to malta did a road trip to the isle of wight uh, when we go to certain places of interest and on top of all of that stuff i also release book reviews on there some of them are star wars book reviews that are canon some of them are star wars legends book reviews such as darth bane or darth plagueis or shatterpoint things like that 
So on Afterthoughts, not only do you get a variety of conversations with myself and Megan about loads of different things and reviewing stuff, a lot of the episodes are between 10 and 20 minutes long, so they're kind of more bite-sized, more easy to consume, but for, it's only £1 a month. So for an entire year, including fees from Patreon and all that stuff, it'll cost you less than £20, which really would be the best gift in the world for me, for anyone to become a patron supporter. So if you really want to support the show, you want to get loads of extra content, and also you get early access to episodes of Genuine Chit Chat. When they're split into two parts, you get the whole full-length episode in one go so there's loads of benefits all from that one pound tier there's some extra benefits as you kind of go up but almost everything that you'd ever want from my patreon you get at the lowest possible tier because i'd like as many people as possible to enjoy it i'd rather have 100 patreons at one pound than 50 patreons at five pound so please consider checking that out and if you are on the fence you can listen to mine and megan's first tom hanks afterthoughts because we decided to go through the tom hanks discography and so a link is in the description to hear completely for free our review on big but I think that is enough from me. Thank you so much for listening, as always, my friends. I'll be back next week with Disney Discussions, the Christmas special, and then in that outro, I'll probably figure out what I'm going to be doing about Christmas. I imagine I'll release a little bit of Patreon content for free here and then put some bonus content over on Patreon, but we shall see. In any case, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, a Merry Christmas, and uh, please give Radhika Rao all the love on social media where you can. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to yourselves next week. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else are of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.